Hello again, everybody. This is Arthur Staple. Welcome back to No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Joined, as always, by uh, our favorite merchant uh, salesman out there in Minnesota, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mark Parrish. Businessman. Businessman, I should really say. How's Businessman, it going? that's right. Yes. Doing, going good. Doing, How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. Uh, glad to hear you're doing some, some business, keeping busy. Um, well, uh, speaking of Minnesota, Minnesota native Kiefer Bellows made his debut uh, on Tuesday, and he looked pretty good. You know, had an assist, um, limited ice time. It was about uh, nine minutes and change, I think, ten minutes or so. Um, and I think he kind of did what he needed to do. We had talked before that about um, keeping it simple. He wasn't on either power play unit, and the power play units got a lot of work in that game and were kind of important to them coming back and tying the game and then winning it in overtime. Um, so it was, it's five on five and that's really, you know, yeah. if you play for Lula Merlo and Barry Trotz, that's where you're going to get as a rookie getting called up in the middle yeah. of the year. So, um, you know, had an assist uh, on Derek Broussard's goal to get it tied in the second period. I think, uh, showed a little, little jam in his game. Uh, Barry specifically kind of praised his, his tight space play. Like he's, um, you know, he creates a little space for himself and, mm-hmm. and is willing to work and, and really, um, I think that's really all they they needed from him in that game. Yeah, and it's uh, it can be really hard to you know he's been down uh, in Bridgeport playing big minutes, uh, playing the power play, and it's for a skilled guy that's what you want. You want to just kind of get into the game and just get into a zone where you're you're almost not thinking. It just comes repetitive, and you're just playing the game. You're you, and read and react, anticipating, and that's part of the test that you have as a young guy coming up. It's like all right, you're going to be limited minutes. You got to stay focused the whole time. You got to be five on five, no mistakes, and then to chip in offensively like that—that's a—that's a good test that he passed already to be able to stay focused, stay in it, and still help out offensively. And also more important, stay in the lineup because uh, <laughs> we're we're recording this uh, the night of bef- the before the Islanders face the Kings on uh, Thursday. Uh, you'll be hearing it after that game ends, but Kiefer Bellows is slated to be in the lineup again, so. Um, that's also all you can ask for is, as a call-up is get yourself another another 10 or 12 minutes and, so, and show what you can do. And, uh, you know, against a team like L.A. that uh, is coming in here struggling quite a bit, um, having just uh, the night bef- last night, which is Wednesday, um, made kind of the first trade of the, the trade deadline month, uh, sending their backup goalie Jack Campbell and Kyle Clifford, uh, an effective fourth-line guy to Toronto for a couple of picks, and Trevor Moore. Um, you know, it's interesting to see the trade season get a little kicked off. I think people kind of say like, oh, maybe now we'll see a few more trades. I, I tend to think not just yet because this was a very yeah. Leafs-specific. You know, I think anybody who saw them play the Rangers on Wednesday with Freddie Anderson back in Toronto with a uh, suspected neck injury, Michael Hutchinson was not good. The rest of the team was not good, and they looked bad against the Rangers. Um, and so they kind of needed to do something with their goaltending. That's not everybody else's situation, but um, but when I'm sure you know when you're when you're a player and somebody makes that first deal, whether you're on a team that's going to buy or a team that's going to sell, I imagine your radar goes up a little bit. Oh, absolutely, it's it's a wake up call, especially for Toronto, uh, for the guys. Obviously, the the Hutchinson, there's the the, the goaltending situation, uh, and and that is one of the things that you absolutely need. Obviously, it's us experts talk about that constantly as goaltending, and the the big thing about goaltending is it calms your bench down. Uh, 
If you put a backup goaltender in there in there for a night and through your bench there's panic going, okay, boys, we got to play perfect. We can't make any mistakes. Or if you can put a back, backup goaltender in there and then just calm down and relax and they can just play their game and not worry about that, that's a huge step for them. And as well as getting Clifford, getting a guy that, you know, get in that fourth line and that depth, it also tells the guys that, hey, like, we want to win. Uh, the organization expects us to win. Let's go out there and do this. And if for the guys on the bubble, wake up. You better get going because your job's on the line. And now the Islanders still anticipating that maybe they will do something. Um, I think as we talked about a couple of days ago, uh, what's to come after this Kings game, uh, I think we'll, in the next nine or ten days, I think we'll we'll say the most about which way Lou Lamarillo goes, whether he does very little uh, or maybe tries to sacrifice an asset or two. Uh, we'll run down the schedule really quickly. In Tampa on Saturday, probably the hottest team in the league right now. In Washington on Monday, team that's sitting atop their division, has been atop the league for most of the season. Quick turnaround to come back against Philly, who's been red hot uh, at here at Barclays on Tuesday. Back out uh, with one night's sleep at home on Wednesday for Nashville. Been struggling, but always a tough place to play. Vegas, similar, struggling, but tough place to play. Arizona, who's been pretty good, and the Islanders have never been good there. And maybe back in your era they were, but they've been awful. <laughs> and Arizona's been awful, and the Islanders have been awful the last few years. And then wrapping up in Denver with a high-powered avalanche team. So seven games, I believe, in 10 days, um, 10 or 11 days. You know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I can't really see Lamarillo jumping the gun ahead of that last game in, in Denver. I think they'll have a couple of games at home after that before the deadline. Um, but I think that's kind of the the seven game window where the Islanders tell their general manager, are we worth sacrificing a couple assets to get another forward and maybe another defenseman or maybe two forwards? Or are we not good enough right now to, you know, to, to sacrifice any of our future for uh, making the playoffs or squeezing in and, and getting knocked out quick? It's uh, it, it's definitely feels like that make or break time. Yeah, everybody feels that pressure. Uh, even guys that have been around the game for as long as Barry and Lou, uh, this is the time of year where, yeah, absolutely, it's you know it's make or break when it comes to those decisions. The the one thing I do like about this road trip, I know it's Western Conference, and then you know you'd like to see the play the Eastern Conference teams and and keep those guys below them and jump them with multiple, you know the the four point games, and but this is a good time for team bonding. This is a good time of year. We just came off the break. Now I had, yeah, had a couple home games. Now get right on the road, team dinners. You're spending time with your team. And this is where you can really, really bond and get going and really, really focus in. I should say more than bond. Get, really get focused on the run to the playoffs and be ready for the playoffs. We'll have to see about that since everybody else in the Metro Division seems to feel like they all belong in the playoffs too since uh yeah, we got six, six six teams <laughs> vying for uh for four <laughs> spots or five spots it's pretty wild well we've uh we put out a call for uh for some questions via twitter and boy did you guys respond it was a busy uh it was a busy tweet with a lot of replies so um we got a few good ones um from uh one of my friends the legendary culture of losing his real name is dan um he uh helps run the lighthouse hockey site he's uh, a diehard fan for a very long time uh, and a guy i've known for a long time his question is his question is more for mark than me does handedness come into play on a forward line the way it does for defense pairs if you're say a right-handed center is it better to have a righty right wing and a lefty left wing 
Does a righty right wing like Mark prefer a lefty or righty center? Uh, we never seem to hear about it much, which is true. Uh, yeah. But, so what do you say? It's discussed, but I don't think it's as big a deal. Um, uh, I played on uh, a line with three right-handed players, and I played That's on true. the right side of Pekka as a right-handed center. So no, I, I don't think it matters all that much. To It's more of a comfort level with the wingers, I would say. Like Batesy was comfortable on his offhand. Marion Gabrick wanted to be on his offhand. There's a lot of players that just prefer to be on their offhand. But when it comes to a center in the NHL, the skill these days, no, it doesn't. It really doesn't yeah. matter that much. You know, I think of the, the obvious example is a guy like Ovechkin, who's always seemed to like to be on his off mm-hmm. wing. And, and I suppose if yeah. you shoot like that, you want to get the puck to your, <laughs> onto your stick as quickly as possible. So you keep yeah. uh, you keep uh, your, your weak side, on your backhand side on the boards, and you just tee it up. And he's got a lefty center. Um, so you would think maybe he'd want to be on the other side to get the four, more forehand feeds, but Backstrom's got an unbelievable backhand. So it's, <laughs> I guess it all your skills just have to mesh with whoever you're you're with if you're an elite player. I would think. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and the both things that uh, the uh, Ovechkin and Gabrick, w- when they are on their offhand like that, they can make that quick cut to the middle and take a quick quick shot. Hopefully, catch the goalie off guard. And they both scored a lot of goals doing that. Yeah, they just didn't have the shot. Another uh, another good guy and uh, friend of uh, myself as an Islander writer for a long time, Doc Ed, who's uh, up in Boston. I only see him when I'm up there every so often. Asks us, we hear a lot about the Islanders having a good group of guys. Is this locker room really any more cohesive or tighter than the average locker room? If so, does that play into the type of player Lou would or wouldn't trade for? Um, that's a good question. And I have really, you know, when I covered the Rangers briefly uh, in the early 2000s, not a great tightly knit room it wasn't really that important to them it was um you know that was a team with a kind of a wild swing of very young guys and very senior guys like Mark Messier so it was it's sort of natural that they weren't all the tightest group but um but uh yeah I think this Islander group especially the core that's been together a long time they kind of came up through the ranks when Tavares and Opozo and Mark Streit and guys like that were in the the leadership group of the room and it was very important to them and very important to Garth Snow that they be guys that were willing to stand up for one another especially when year after year of not making the playoffs and people disrespecting them kind of piled mm. up so um it uh it's kind of carried over to now and I think just based on being around and listening to Barry and Lou um they're looking for the right fits regardless they're not gonna yeah. you know Obviously, if you have a chance to make a trade for a Taylor Hall, you do it. But I don't think they're throwing Barry's system out the window to get a bunch of guys who are, you know, I would imagine that if Phil Kessel were available, probably not the guy that they're <laughs> going to trade for. Much, And this guy is a super skilled guy and can help a lot of teams. But if you're at the Islanders' level of, of talent, I guess, and at the, you know, the the number of veterans they have, the the system, how much they've embraced the team first mentality. I think that does play a role in, in who you go out and get at the deadline. 100%. Chemistry always matters. You learn to play together on the ice. You learn to love each other off the ice. Now, there's always exceptions to the rules too. I mean, and age does matter. If you, if you got a bunch of guys that have kids or they're just older, they're not going to be into the same things as a, a young 20-year-old will be. Uh, but character. 
And that's where you learn how, what kind of teammates you have. Whether you, And there's been plenty of teammates uh, over my career. I, I don't necessarily like them as a person, but when it comes to getting on the ice and character and doing their job, they've done that. And, and you've got to respect that. That's part of the professional level. But that's a slippery slope. So Lou always has been big on team, obviously, uh, you know, talking to guys in the, the old Jersey, Marty Brodeur and, and Scotty Stevens and Dano, uh, you know, talking about the team meals and everything. And that's a big deal, not just to Lou. Obviously, he emphasizes it a little bit more than other teams. But with Garth, it's a huge deal. If there's somebody, if there's, you know, if you got a chip on your shoulder for a teammate, if you don't get along very well, can you trust them to go block a shot or make a play or uh, maybe overlook you when you got a good scoring chance? You never know where that might actually come out. So, yes, there are some exceptions, but no, it's a, that's a huge difference. That's a big deal. You've got to have that strong core where they can start that conversation, too. If, if you do bring in a guy and, you know, he doesn't quite fit, uh, you know, those you look at your leaders, you look at your core to, to hopefully figure it out. But even before then, you know, Lou and, and, and other GMs, I've been asked about players I've played with. They do their homework. They, they, yeah. they don't want to get fooled by anybody nowadays because chemistry is so important. Sure. And you think of <clears throat> whether there's, uh, you know, the, a guy who's been sort of anecdotally logically connected to the Islanders and Jean-Gabriel Pajot up in Ottawa, good friends with Derek Broussard. They played together mm-hmm. in Ottawa for a long time. I'm sure that uh, if there's a trade to be made and well, even if there's not a trade to be made, I'm going to guess that Lou Lamorello has had that conversation with Derek Broussard already about what kind of guy is he, how would he adjust. And, and it is all hypothetical because you, ne- yeah. you do, you oh, do yeah. never know how it's going to work. And even the best guy in the world could come down and maybe, uh, you know, wife and kids are back home or um, just un- unsure of the future yeah. because he's uh, going to be an unrestricted free agent. Things get in your head after you make that move. You know, I, I think the the one in recent years that I think of that, was a was just a great guy, great group of guys that he got traded to, and it just wasn't a fit. It was Wayne Simmons when he went from Philly to Nashville yeah. a couple of years last year? I mean, it, you know, Wayne Simmons is one of the one of the best guys in the league. Anybody who's played with him, who knows him, he's you know he has your back. He's a he's a great guy, great player, and it just didn't work. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, and Nashville flamed out pretty quick, and he ended up you know, leaving his free agent, only getting a one-year deal. And when those things go south, it really, mm-hmm. it can affect player and team kind of at the same time, player's future and team's immediate future. So, you know, to to make a big move, um, even just bringing in someone to a new environment can be, you know, you're rolling the dice for sure, no matter whether it's a fourth liner or a first liner. 100%. It's a leap of faith for both. It really is. Um. Uh, our friend DG asks, uh, all modern players talk about sleep regimen as a big part of their off-the-ice preparation. Can you describe a typical schedule and who had the weirdest sleep idiosyncrasies patterns from when you were a player? Oh, good Lord. I mean, you're talking <laughs> to a guy that still naps like crazy. Uh, I mean, if, if there's an opportunity, 20 minutes, two hours, I'm sleeping. Uh, I, I would say I, I, I'm one of the uh, ones that most people would be impressed with. <laughs> how much I could sleep and still do. Uh, Sean Bates, it, you know, it's uh, that's one of the most important things as a, for a roommate, to have as a roommate on your same schedule. Um, I, I, I had one night, there was a couple injuries. I think Blakey's, usually Kenny's, and Bates, he was always mine. Uh, they were hurt, so we were roommates. And 
I, I about a midnight guy, just shut the TV off and, you know, go to bed, big nap in the afternoon. Kenny Johnson, 10 o'clock TV lights were off. And it was kind of a, wait, wait, what do I, what do I do for the next two hours now? And, you know, I didn't want to mess with him either. And, and, uh, so I, you know, it was kind of before, uh, iPhones and everything. So I found a little magazine in the hotel and went into the bathroom and just read for a little while. Um, but yeah, like that's uh, that's something that that everybody's a little bit different. Some guys are nappers. As I got older, I didn't quite nap as much in the afternoon just because I I felt groggy during games. Uh, Batesy was he was he was with me. We could we could sleep forever. But yeah, there's a different guy, Claude Lapointe, uh, Lappy. He he rarely napped. He he was up early. Uh, and those are the guys that you just they tend to get their own room almost right away because everybody complains about having them as roommates. But yeah, it, you know everybody's unique. Everybody's different. Uh, I can't think of anything that's uh, anything that's too crazy or anything like that. But I, I know usually in every team I was the best sleeper and napper. Hey, congratulations! That's, Thank uh, you. It's like a yearbook photo. Um, <laughs> and just uh, to follow it up at a much smaller scale, as a traveling beat writer, uh, naps also very important. Mm-hmm. A lot of early flights. You guys fly out after the game on your chartered plane, so you you know they, if we're going city to city. Uh, you can imagine game ends, work's done, the team is on their way somewhere, they get to wherever they're going, whether it's home or some other city by 1 a.m., 2 a.m., in bed, you know, relatively normal, a little bit out of out of whack mm-hmm. for the rest of us writers, get back to the hotel in City A, pack up your stuff, get ready to go, alarm goes off at about 5 a.m., get to the airport, fly to the next City B, Go set up in that hotel room, and it's about noon, one o'clock. If there's a practice, you go cover that. Come back, do a little writing. Yeah, we're we're big nappers too. So anybody who tells you otherwise is 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 lying. Um, that's that's the that's the key the key word for me on a road trip, especially now with uh, a bunch oh. of kids running around my house. Is I'm sleeping when I have when I have a few hours. So yeah, I love oh. it. Um, here's one from Rob Javis. Where is this team at right now and for the next two to three year window? Are hmm. we Stanley Cup contenders? Are we just passing some time until we finally get Ilya Sorokin over here? And should we be realistically happy with a second or third round appearance? What's your read on this year and the next few? Which is a very comprehensive question. And, yes, uh, it is. I, I've had lots of thoughts about this too. And, you know, I think if we're honest about this team right now and you look at not only where they at and where how their season has gone, but also – Teams around them in the Eastern Conference, Boston, Tampa, Washington, Pittsburgh, I don't think the Islanders are considered to be in that class right now. I think they're they're not a top four Eastern team, and really that means they're not a top five NHL team, even though they've been points-wise for a lot of the year. Um, I don't think they're a team that was the sort of, that was the team that went 15-0-2. I think they had some good luck and, and got some timely stuff there that maybe we you can't count on to get all year. And I also don't think they're the team that's been hovering around 500 since then. I think they're better than that. But uh, but Stanley Cup contender is is a tough one because yeah. um, you know there's probably teams that are below the cut line. Like if you're Nashville out in the Western Conference right now, sitting 10th or so, Nashville could make the finals out of the West. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't it wouldn't be a complete stretch with the team that they have to get on a run if they start to get better goaltending. Um, you know, it, it's pretty wide open. In the East, it feels a little less wide open. But, you know, the Islanders have had the capability this year of beating teams that were better than them skill-wise. Uh, mm-hmm. They've beaten Washington. 
They beat Boston. You know, they, they've they've got the capabilities to outwork teams. Whether you can do that over four rounds is a difficult question, yes, and I don't exactly. I don't I don't think that they're there yet. Um, but I don't think that they're they're as far off as um, as like three or four needed pieces. And really, I think yeah. the key thing that you look at the lineup is they've got a lot of contracts that just started. It's guys in their twenties, more towards their late twenties. They're going to have you know three more younger guys in Barzal, Pollock, and Taves start new contracts next season. So they're not, you know, they're not in a. If we don't make the finals this year, we're tearing it all down mode. There, I think this is For a team sure. that's that's in a weird spot. It's it's veteran heavy, but it's still building. If you can really, if if that makes any sense. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I, I, they're in that gray area of of buyers. Um, yeah, they could make a run. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd, I'd be surprised if they got it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals and won it. That would be. They'd have to go on another one of those 15-0-2 where, where <laughs> everything just, you know, combined at the right perfect time and everybody played spectacular and they got they got excellent goaltending. And that's, it's not a knock on anybody. But, uh, yeah, I agree. They're, they're, uh, the, the East is different than the West. They're, they're, and they're still building. Uh, that's, that's why I'm really intrigued. I, I'm really looking forward to see uh, what Lou's got up his sleeves going into the deadline or if he has anything, uh, you know, because it's got to make sense for them not just now but for the future because of that because uh, i agree they're they're two three four guys away they're a very very good team in the east i wouldn't like i said go into the playoffs yes they're a playoff team but that's a whole different ball game when you talk about stanley cup contenders because then you look at the depth of those teams you know that, that have won it the last few years uh you know in tampa obviously now they're picking it back up after what happened last year you got to assume that they've uh, got just a wee bit of a chip on their shoulder for what happened probably uh, that first round just a little bit angry maybe and uh, embarrassed as well but yeah they're, they're, it's going to be interesting to see it's it's really got to make sense for them now uh, that's why I think one of the reasons they brought up Kiefer Bellows now is to, to kind of take a look and see what kind of pieces they may have available for trade or maybe that they have to give a really good solid look next year into camp. It, it's just hard to, excuse me, I'm going to scratch it. It's impossible to read Lou's mind. So <laughs> you, you just, you know, you just kind of got to take it as it is right now. And that's where that gray area is. If the deal doesn't, isn't right for, not just now, but for the team moving forward, he's not going to do it. Yeah, and I think even looking beyond this trade deadline, this is you know this trade line deadline sort of screams short term. Whether it's someone that they're going to you know on an expiring contract that they can add to their mix to help them be a little bit more solid, not necessarily yeah. a guy who's going to put them over the top, but someone who makes what the Islanders do a little bit stronger. I mm-hmm. think you have to look more to the off season draft time if they're going to make any. Big moves, you know. I think we'll know by then uh, if Ilya Sorokin is coming over. All signs seem, still seem to be pointing that way, so their goaltending situation will look a little bit more, um, sec- you know, secure, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, they've got some decisions to make uh, up and down their lineup. You know, uh, Noah Dobson seems to be settling in as a, a guy who looks like he's going to be a very, a very strong top four defenseman for a long time. Um, do they look to move someone? You know, Adam Pellick will be back healthy by then. They'll have seven defensemen all under contract um, and then, you know, all guys who probably deserve to play. So there'll be some decisions to make, whether it's moving out one of their veteran guys for more help up front. Now, those are decisions that probably come in the offseason and uh, and will be intriguing ones to see who's, you know, who gets what, who shakes out 
contract-wise on other teams, forwards that might be available because I would imagine that um, if and when the Islanders' uh, season ends this year, whether they don't make the playoffs or more likely make it and make win a round, maybe win two rounds if they're if they really get hot. But once they get stopped, I think I think consistent scoring from their top nine will be something that needs to be addressed, and and uh, that's more of an off season conversation. So I think you can't really project too too far down the road. But uh, other yeah. than to say, the core of this team is pretty well set. Uh, they're going to sign Barzal for whatever it is, two, three, probably more like four or five, maybe if they're lucky, seven or eight years. Yep. Uh, Ryan Pollock, something similar. And then they've got some decisions to make about uh, some other things. And that, that's really, you know, I think the team is not going to change a whole lot from this year to next or even next year to, to the year beyond that. But, uh, but they, you know, I think they like what they have and need to just kind of add in someone with a little bit more, uh, a little bit more oomph up front, and uh, mm-hmm. and we'll see Noah Dobson get a more prominent role, and maybe someone like Oliver Wallstrom, uh, you know, working into the top twelve uh, up front next year, and and that uh, that may be the ch- sort of change that puts them more in the elite category. We'll have to uh, we'll have to see. Last question uh, from from our tweeters is Mike from Long Island, and this one is just for you, Mark. Did Oleg Kavasha deserve the amount of heat he got when he played for the Islanders? It's a yes or no question, but of course you can elaborate on it. Yeah. Um, the hard <laughs> part with <laughs> I played with only eight years of my career, I think if wow. I remember correctly, maybe more, um, was uh, – it, 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 the frustrating thing for for the the organization, even the players that, that were with him, is we could see how talented he was. Uh, he had every tool in the toolbox. He could skate. He had great hands. He could shoot. I mean, uh, when he was on fire, when he was moving, I mean, our power play breakout was exactly what Dallas did with Zubov and Madonna. Except was, went down the left wing side at full speed. Okoye and somebody just get it in front of him, and there's no way those D are going to stand up the blue line <laughs> with that guy coming in with his speed. And uh, you know, when you, when you you saw it in spurts, he just you know the the, the consistency uh, with that with uh, with the work ethic is really what got to him. And I say that with all all the love in the world, I I, I really like. Well, he's a great guy, but yeah, as a as a teammate, uh, not just as a playing the, the teammate but for the organization when when you see those nights when i mean he could just dominate he could take over he, he literally could do anything he wanted if he wanted to mm-hmm. uh and and that was the thing that was the that was what frustrated that a lot of guys on the team that's what frustrated the organization that's what frustrated fans uh he, he's just and he's one of those uh you know naturally kind of laid back guys anyway he didn't show just well, not too many russians show emotion i guess uh, besides ovechkin uh you know they don't show a whole lot of emotion and, and i think it just kind of ended up getting to people uh you know and especially if you look at uh you know it's also unfair for the trade <laughs> not to, not to bring myself involved again but you know you look at that trade for myself and him and uh for luongo and yoken and i mean and and you know came out shortly after that with milbury that he was the pinnacle of it, that he was the one that they thought and everybody thought that he could just be an absolute superstar which he could have been but he couldn't find that consistency whether uh, it was work ethic whether he cared or didn't care uh you know that doesn't matter i guess at this point uh, but yeah, he, he just couldn't find that consistency or, you know, to go game in and game out. So I, I think he got uh, a, a, some unfair heat just because of that trade as well. And eh, nothing you can do about it. And uh, he's back in Russia now, so I think he's okay. <laughs> 
We'll get to Mark Parashivia in a second, but first, a word from DraftKings. The big game might be over, but the action isn't slowing down just yet. There's still plenty happening on the rink, on the court, and on the field. Get in on the action tonight with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Just as one football season ends, another begins. Celebrate the kickoff of the new professional football season starting this weekend with DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Plus, they have great promos and odds boosts each and every day of the week. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code QUICK. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter code QUICK and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, thanks for everybody who uh, sent in questions. Very uh, insightful questions. We tried to have some insightful answers. And now... Uh, a moment that I've been looking forward to since we <laughs> since we parted last time. This is a little this is a little Mark Parrish NHL trivia time. Two, was was it two hundred and fourteen goals you scored in the NHL? Is that the, is that the correct number? Uh, that, that sounds sounds right. Okay. Um, well, did a little research and I found out there were nine goalies that you scored at least six goals on in your NHL career. And we're going to play a little it's a little two question. Trivia here. We'll see, we're going to see how many of the nine you can name. Now that we don't have, we only we only have a few minutes. We don't have like two hours. And I don't. And I know you have. A, <laughs> I know you have a computer in front of you, but I know you. You don't. You're gonna. You're gonna play yeah. along. So gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. So just sort of talk your way through it. I'll, maybe we'll give some hints eventually, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll give you a couple minutes to see how many you can name, and maybe it'll prompt some some funny thoughts about good games that you had or. <clears throat> Just uh, memorable moments against some of these goalies. So, like I said, nine goalies, at least six goals. I'll give you – I'll break it down even more. You scored on seven different goalies six times, and then at the top of the list you had nine against one and 12 the most against one other. So oof. let's see what you got. All right. I, I was going to say – uh, I know – and I, I got a little fortunate with – uh, the way the schedule worked, where we played New Jersey way too many times for a year or two there. Um, I, I, I'm just going to guess Brodeur is one of them. I seem to Brodeur is first. Against New Very Jersey. nice. All right. With 12. So he's the guy you scored on the most in your career. 12, though. Holy cow. Yeah, that's um, impressive. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I mean, he gave up, he played for 100 years, so he gave up a lot of yeah, games. But, yeah. but he, he that's, a, that's, a feather, that's, that's a feather in your cap. All right, so we knocked off first place. Now it's going to get tougher, though. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look. I'm looking at this list, and I'm gonna say that uh, one is definitely someone uh, who you, you, you're, you will always be connected with. Let's put it that way. For uh, for other reasons besides scoring goals on it. Always be Luongo. Yeah, you had no six way. on Luongo. Yeah, really. Must have been a little, little, little heat building inside of you every yeah. time you faced him because everybody thought it was such a, such a shitty trade. But uh, <laughs> and they were right. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, 
you got some measure of revenge. So Luongo is on that list of nine. Like, you know, he wasn't even my radar. Uh, I, man, Carolina, but you're, Carolina, you're on the right track. There's uh, there's a guy from Carolina who was a who was kind of a mainstay for them during that early 2000s. Was it Urbe? Yes, Arthur Urbe, also on the list with six. Very nice. Um, and there's a couple guys among these managers, which I think speaks to how bad, uh, maybe not how bad the Lightning were, but. <laughs> how good how good you were against the Lightning, since that was the kind of the era when they won their Stanley Cup. But there's two guys who primarily played for the Lightning, I think, during the time that you played against them, who are among this top nine. I was actually going from to, to Tampa next. Uh, Javi Bullen? Yep. He's in second place with nine. So you check off another one. Four down, five to go. And then another guy who I think bounced around a little bit as a backup, but only really played primarily for Tampa. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, we'll come back to that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I'll just say who else. And I'll, and I'll give the primary teams for some of the other guys. I think we've got one uh, who played primarily for the Canadians on this list. Of, so now it's all guys that you scored six on. Okay. So one from the Canadians, one from the Senators, one uh, Rangers, Devils. I think he even was an Islander, one of the rare who played for all three. Um. And then one who I think Edmonton was his primary uh, team from when you were playing and also played in Minnesota. I don't know if you were teammates with him. Ah, Roly. Yep, Dwayne Rollison. <laughs> also on the list with six. So now we're down to four. I think uh, uh, some of the – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one of these guys you should definitely know because uh, I think he might still be a uh, – colleague of yours in a in a sense maybe you've worked with weeksy yep you scored yeah, six was, on kevin a, weeks right away i was thinking about him when you said the three i was like it's gotta that's be right all right so we're down to the we're down to the final three you're doing very well here it's only taken a little prompting so again guy who only played i'd be nowhere without it <laughs> a little primarily for the canadians primarily for the senators and primarily for the lightning <clears throat> and mostly as a backup i was going to say at the lightning but but clearly you managed to get six by him so he had to have played sometime. Big guy. Big rangy guy played for the Lightning. The other the the Montreal guy you should get. He's uh, he's kind of a well known Theodore? Yep, Jose Theodore. You scored six on him. These are actually good goalies. I, I'm I'm fairly impressed. Well, I, I also compiled a list of the guys that you scored five on because that's a long one, and that's Less impressive, like Milan Nilic in Atlanta. <laughs> like I, J, JS Alban, you got five on. So, all right. So we're down to we're down to two now that you had six on. Again, a guy who played primarily for Ottawa, and a guy who played primarily for Tampa. Maybe these are probably the toughest. The two names on this list that might be the toughest for even an even a seasoned hockey fan to get. Wasn't a lean. It was Patrick Laleem with Laleem? six. All right. We're down to the last most difficult one. Again, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to call up his, uh, his uh, hockey his reference page. just jour- to Journeyman like me, is that? Exactly. No, no, no. no. <laughs> hey, 200, 200 goals is 200 goals, my friend. All right. So he played. This guy made 224 appearances. Um Came into the league in 99, same year as you. 
backup for the Bruins, and then Tampa, and then finish the year and finish his career in Carolina. Um, Might, should I put you out of your misery? Oh, it's gonna tick me off when you say it. <laughs> it's John Graham. Oh, I was on. I was wrong. I, John, get out of here! You scored six goals on John Graham. You must have had a hat trick against him in one of those games. But yeah, that's an that's an impressive list. I, I had to go through the teams. I can remember the teams, and and it's funny how a lot of it's that Eastern Conference. Obviously, I've yeah, right. most yeah. of my career there, but a lot of games against you know Montreal and, and New Jersey. You know, and they changed all the rules, and and we played way too much, and they wanted everybody to be a rival against everybody. And I was trying to just go through those teams. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up quickly. Uh, we'll try to we'll try to be faster with this. You also have scored goals on four goalies that are still active in the NHL today. Oof. So uh, you think you you think you can put your thinking cap cap on for another ninety seconds to figure try to figure these guys out? Obviously, seasoned veterans. All <laughs> who are the old guys? Ne- so Fleury is in Pittsburgh. No, none on Mark Andre Fleury. Dang. Uh. But uh, you're you're on the right track with uh, with Eastern Conference at least uh, for a couple of the guys. I think I'm going to guess that two of them you scored on when they were in the when they were in the West, and you were either uh, you were probably with Mini uh, or LA, uh, and the other two probably still the same time because it was the tail end. But I think I think the other two guys you scored on when you were with the Islanders they've been around that long, and they're both they were both in the Eastern Conference then. Oh, good lord. One only one of the four is still on the same his same team. No good, huh? Nothing. <laughs> I've already just... tested you too much. All right, so we'll just uh, we'll... give me give me a quick hint here. All right, uh, handsome devil, New York Rangers. Oh, of course, King Henrik. You scored a goal on Henrik Lundqvist in his first oh, NHL season. Uh, I think it was yeah oh five oh six. All right, the other the other three uh, quickly. I'll say one of them. Currently uh, plays in Southern California. Played for a long time in Buffalo. Oh my lord! I've forgotten Miller was still in the league. <laughs> That's nice. Hopefully he doesn't yeah, hear. He'll, he'll appreciate not, that. Joke. Hopefully he's not listening. He'll appreciate um, that joke. Oh, the oh, other one just had really so well. just had an epic goalie fight in the Battle of Alberta. Mike Smith. Yeah, you scored a goal on Mike Smith. I, I, for the life of me, I didn't even, I didn't make note of who he was playing for at the time, but it might have been Phoenix. I think they called him Phoenix then. That's how long ago it was. Uh, and lastly, someone who's currently in Ottawa, but I think made his name starting in Colorado. Oh crap! Um. Uh, yep. <laughs> Oh man, this is fun. Oh, you love this is torture. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for uh, all the silence, folks. I just I yeah, don't, I'm, I'm totally I, blanking. I'm, um, I'm just um, dumping out on my laughter because uh, I'm basically I could give you his initials if you want. I don't know. Oh, let's do that. <laughs> it's Craig Anderson. I'm not going to stoop that low. He was one of the first ones I talked to in Ottawa. I couldn't think of his name. That's well, funny. That's right. You played in. Played you played in, in the. Animal. Yes, I could. I was, I was picturing his face. I couldn't. <laughs> well, oh, this has been fun. <laughs> that makes me feel old. Thank you. I love that. I love that. There's still some playing. Actually, that I know four fun. is a lot. Four is a lot. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was good. We've uh, we've covered 
a little bit of your career here. And just to follow up on Tuesday when we were talking about you scoring a goal on your birthday, you did have a two-goal game against the Rangers in 2006 on your birthday. Nice. I'm sorry that you don't recall it, but apparently (laughs) apparently it was good. Did we win? That I got to look up. I'm sorry. What am I, the research department too? Come on, I can't can't carry the whole show. Anyway. You've been doing it so far. (laughs) Thank you to everybody who endured our little Mark Parrish trivia time here to close the show. Uh, This has been fun. Questions were great. Thanks to everybody out there. Thanks to you, Mark, for straining to think of all the goalies that you scored on. Thank you for not embarrassing me too badly. Well, maybe next time. Anyway, (laughs) thanks, everyone, and uh, we'll be back again next week. Appreciate it.